Hi, I'm Brooke. I'm Zane. This is Straight Up, and we're here with Tony and Willow. Hi. How are you doing? Today we're talking about cycles of poverty, family violence, imprisonment, drugs, child protection interventions, basically the cycles of trauma. I definitely think they're linked in some sort of way. Uh, I don't know exactly how they're linked, but you often see people with one or in the cycle of uh, being under child protection have many of the other things in that list. I kind of feel like if you're in child protection, you sort of have to have those things to begin with to actually get picked up by child protection. From my experience, I don't think that uh, coming from like a poverty background can necessarily make someone be super angry or or like lash out in trauma or even, you know, try to like repress that sort of thing. Because I know that like from my experience, I just went through life as a pretty happy kid, you know. And don't get me wrong, for me, I always say this, like, going to foster care for me was probably one of the better things in my life that I experienced because it really did, like, give me a different perspective, teach me different values, different goals. So for me, like, that changed my life indefinitely. I, I can't I can't deny that. And I feel like I was shielded from a lot of the stuff that, you know, maybe could have happened in the past with, like, my family. In my experience, I feel like I was... Um, well, it didn't happen around me as a child, but I feel like I was... Uh, protected from a lot of like the uh, uh, drugs and uh, domestic violence and I reckon as I went into group homes I came in contact with that kind of stuff and I was exposed to a lot of drugs that I wouldn't have been if I was living with my family or a lot of the violence and the uh, like altercations with police and stuff I don't think I would have had if I was uh, still in like a family setting my experience personally was like all of them you know like at the end of the day as Tony was saying like when you're in the care sector you are removed for one of these categories you know and like being removed in itself from your parents is a trauma like an underlying trauma enough as is like that causes another spiral of trauma you know you're you're removed from your family you're removed from your environments your safety blanket even if it's not the safest thing deemed in the child protection systems like eyes at the end of the day that's your safety. Like the amount of times it's that I've done, normal. yeah, exactly. The amount of times that I've done trainings and all of that stuff, and the coppers are like for NPRs and stuff. Why do you run back to your family? It's either we're running away from something or to something, you know. And that's and that's it. And like in um, when it comes to like trauma, at the end of the day, you're not really aware of the fact that you have trauma until somebody delves deeper or you have a episode or. A reflection yeah. of, wow, I was actually really messed up. I, at the time, I felt normal, it. like that was my normal. I think trauma definitely catches up to you um, after you're not in that situation anymore. So maybe you might have some trauma from having been put onto the street or something, and then it kind of catches up to you once you're not dealing with that anymore. Yeah, it's a cheeky like left-right hook with trauma it's like you forget about it or you suppress it it's that like much. a trigger like um you have situations where like you could be walking down the street and you like smell something or you see something happen and then you just like freak out you go into like survival mode you're like am i in danger yeah 100 like, like even people yelling in the streets and stuff yeah. if you're from family violence or you're you're in like 
uh, youth home or like resi care and stuff you like flinch like me when I got out of resi care there was trauma attached to the alarms on all doors so I was walking through like Westfield and the alarms would go off because somebody stole something so I'd sit down because I was like institutionalized to the point of the fact that you need to be still and sit there when the alarms go off in resi care homes because you're going to get detained. Um, for me personally like uh, I mean I was suspended from school and yeah. uh, I ended up going to one of the connecting foster carers meetings it was good to be able to have a place where I can be like, this is what I'm feeling, what can I do to deal with it, and how are we able to like make it so it's better for the future? Because being coming from a place of trauma, you know, people wanted to be able to be there for me and care for me and be like, yo, you you can literally like talk to us about anything, you know. And for me, that that's hands down one of the best things for anybody going through any kind of personal trauma that they could have. I suppose it's depending on the trauma like you need to be able to connect with those people Mm. that is like the carers they're obviously there because they care about you and they want to be there for you Mm. but sometimes you just can't connect with them and like they may not understand like I think um, a lot of people think that trauma is debilitating but at the end of the day like trauma can be the most like rewarding thing that can happen to you because at the end of the day you grow and you learn lessons like pain is demanded to be felt for you to grow like and that's in normal people's lives too. Like, you all have trauma too when you blend in with, like, the normal people that we're trying to blend in with and be, like, like, at the end of the day, probably have, like, trauma as well. Like, you are probably broke ass bitches too. Like, I, I think it's more like they don't get picked up by, like, they're, they're not as socially... Um, outcast. Outcast as, yeah. like, as kids in care. So we're actually picked up for the big stuff. Whereas there's lots of stuff, like there's lots of domestic violence that happens that doesn't get picked up. Mm. There's lots of drug abuse, like, um, like for normal people. In, for like, not broken homes, yeah. yeah. I think that um, it's the bad socioeconomic like, uh, uh, conditions that lead to trauma. I think that's just the stem of it. And if you fix them, you could probably help break the cycles of that. But... Um, you definitely still see people like kids like us um, who maybe their family hasn't had anything to do with like uh, uh, the system and like being taken away from their parents and stuff so it's uh, child protection doesn't have to be part of it but it still affects um, people and the cycle still affects people the same way regardless of uh, how uh, child protection steps in and what they do about it, it will, st- it will still happen. So do you think, like, if if the government supported people a bit more and actually stopped, like, low socioeconomic areas and supported them with education and stuff, do you think that trauma cycle would reduce? Yeah, I definitely I definitely think so. I think uh, with, with education and um, a lot more money in, in households with children growing up in them, uh, it helps stop stuff like drug use and uh, family violence... And then family violence, I think, stops imprisonment and uh, child protection intervention is, is less needed. That's a controversial topic for Brooke Oliver. Like, <laughs> I, my family were ballers and we still had drug issues, you know. Like, at the end of the day, like, the amount of money and money does not mean happiness. It, the cycle and the trauma still remains. It's, it's, it's a very deep cycle and like, at the end of the day, like, I was going on the same path of destruction to be imprisoned, you know. But at the same time, like the drug use and stuff, it was it was a mirrored image because I seen my mum and dad on drugs. I thought, fuck yeah, like 
that's so normal. that's just your normal yeah life. and like we adapt to our surroundings like mm-hmm. as as we've all said before like even in group homes and stuff like you saw more violence and drug use in that because that's what the situation was like that all those kids the became the culturally around smoking cones and punching on you know yeah yeah i was definitely very much like a good little kid yeah before then and then, and then I got adapted to it yeah yeah exactly you learn to survive in, yeah. in your environment you take on some of that i think the hardest part <laughs> of it all is it's all linked like yeah. you can't just take one and fix one section it's you inter- have to integrated. actually fix every single thing yeah. in order to actually make things better it's hard to do that when there's like we're overrepresented in every system that is a white fella system so it's because they want to step in and fix it because they've destroyed it and we may as well fix it um but they don't have the right approach to it all. And, like, giving it back to the elders now, they're, they're, it's it's slowly happening. Like, it really is slowly, slowly, slowly making the its way is through. The issue is, like, we're, like... Where us, do you start with communities? Us, us as a policy, we're, we're looking at it at a Western perspective. We're not actually, like, as much as we're trying, we're still trying to integrate Aboriginal... With white fellas. Yeah, like, it's it's we're coming at you from white people. But it's, um, it's also hard with communities, though. Like, what demographic are we talking about? Like, poverty, family violence, and stuff. It's, it's real hard because, like, the only way we're going to change these communities, you need to take it back to the community. Mm-hmm. And the community need to realise that it's an issue. But we have all these ideas and we all want to be able to do this because that's the talk of everything that we want to do, the Black Lives Matter, all this kind of stuff. Like climate change you know but nobody's really doing anything about it other than like talking talking and like the actions it need to be implemented it can't just be adjourned for next time you know next kid that dies in care or next kid that's incarcerated at the age of nine and then we'll talk about the fact that we're addressing the bigger issues of an overrepresentation of aboriginal kids in youth detention centers you know like how how do we actually make the talk implement with action we start walking with the fucking talk you know I, I i agree i think we've like broadly with a lot of these issues um a lot of people would rather say oh yeah i support that i'm behind it rather than having like open discussions on how we can fix it yeah or someone says this is how the magic it will be magically fixed and everyone's like oh yeah that's what we need to do rather than actually like having discussions and like debating how um these things can be improved and it's really difficult because the people with the positions of power don't really understand it like they do get it so much because it's in their job description but at the same time you don't live it you need people that like have lived it to be able to be the people that are implementing the changes and there's only so much we can do like only so much we want to share if it's falling on deaf ears i think the media and the government and people that don't really know much about government kids really think that we're the issue so it thinks that we need to break the cycle. But, like, yeah, we do have to rise above of what any other normal kid would be able to achieve. You know, we've, we've had very debilitating lives and very many things thrown at us that aren't really thrown at everyday kids, you know. So we do have to rise above and break that cycle and actually be the best human beings that we can be to blend in the society. But the cycle really does start with our parents. We're not removed because we're little shit kids. We're removed because our parents have trauma as well. And that's, haven't got the support to actually get That's the it. thing. At the end of the day, like, early intervention is the best, like, therapeutic approach for this all. To train the parents how to be parents, how to care for these kids, how to be able to implement the right tools and have the toolbox in their head to be able to manage these children and manage the, the effects of what trauma does to them, you know. And the system needs to have that approach too. You need to have workers that aren't 9-5 bullshit workers that 
they're there, buddy. You're going to be okay. Like, and then leave. And then leave and go back to their normal life while cooking dinner for four of their kids and it's everything that they want more, whereas we get told no to a cup of water because we're hypervigilant then. You know, it's it's finding that balance and that level to make it an authentic care system to actually give a fuck instead of being nine till five. I've got all these paperworks to fill out and I've ticked all the boxes. It yeah. needs to actually give a fuck about harnessing what what these kids want and need to be able to be a phenomenal person when they grow up you know it's all about the fact of that we're little shit kids and we're going to end up in jail why don't we stop that why don't we intervene and actually make something for these kids why don't we make oh sorry make something of these kids you know like i definitely think there's a like an expectation that you're going to end up in jail so they don't try it because what's the point if you're just going to be in jail in three years so and if they didn't have that whole um expectation of you to do to not do anything to not achieve uh, they could actually focus on like the developmental stuff that you need when you're a teenager i feel like the expectations for kids in care are super low as well i think um, when you're in them kind of group homes and stuff and you really don't like it there and stuff as the, the kid in that situation you're like oh, i'm just trying to get to 18 so i can get out of here and like not be like uh controlled control, all the yeah. time and like not have to live in this awful situation but no one's ever talking about like uh, how they're going to help you set up and what? put you on a good trajectory for life after you're 18. And we that's want nothing stuff. more than to not be like our parents. Yeah, you know? we, we want to be different. And that's just there in the title, you yeah. know, like breaking the cycle. We don't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah. We want to be removed from that. We want to be seen as like normal humans. And like if we go on to have kids of our own, we want to do almost the exact opposite, but we don't know how to. Mm. Like that's like kids don't come with a... Like instruction later. instruction manual manual when they come out like my best friend's um missus uh a few years ago had a had a kid and because uh, she was in care she was very worried about having her kid taken away from her purely just because um she herself was only like two three years out of care herself and um i think that what could have very easily um made put that kind of put that label on her kid as well that he's um, like that they're going to be abused or yeah traumatized because that parent yeah. has had and the fact that they're like just quick on straight onto it they want to start assessing her and her parenting just because she was part of that it um is a way that like an institutional way of them keeping people in the cycle could that also be seen as early intervention though because then there may be some people who don't have the life skills because they have gone through this cycle and then they're in care and they're so far removed of how do we actually look after someone, like how do we provide for someone? So perhaps it may actually be really problematic that no one's coming in and getting involved to maybe help this young woman so that she's able to have well, like, some support. From what I see, it makes uh, these young, uh, especially mums, young mums feel like... Uh, they they start off in on thin ice, and I think if, if that was really necessary, it'd be necessary for everyone, everyone not just p- kids who used to be in care. I, I think maybe uh, if you that becomes like part of your identity, and it doesn't really leave when you're not in care. Yeah, well, I'm Gom and Maria, so I <laughs> fucking names the whole thing like Gom Central, Gom City. You know, we have to reclaim that name. You know. It was so many years of me being in care that hated being a gum kid 
and now I'm in this is like I literally have break that cycle tattooed on me for a reason you know like the fact of that I wasn't care and that I shouldn't be alive and I shouldn't be here and now I'm sitting here talking about like the issues of the systemic problems of being growing up in care and the government settings I advocate for changes for kids in care I will do anything to prove that these kids matter you know we're not just a statistic we're not just going to be locked up we're not just going to be drug addicts we're not just going to be kids in care forever our whole family aren't going to be in care you know like we have those lived experiences to be able to tap back into those kids and make a better future for the next generation that are going to be in care we need to be the people that have made it out and survived to be able to show these kids that like a role model it's a strength like we've gone through so much stuff and we've come out the other side like we may be a little tapped out but we're still all right <laughs> yeah we're still here for me personally, it's just the. I'm loud. It's a bit of a clusterfuck. I'm not gonna lie. So, <laughs> like I was saying before, I, like I come from like very different walks, and I've come from like my biological mum, and then I went into foster care, and I also was in like a shift work care as well. So I've I've experienced all the different types of care in my in from what I know, except for residential care. Me personally, I feel like my like my personal identity. Instead of going back through these are the things that we've done in the past and we've done this and we've done that, just try something completely different. It is possible to break the cycle, and we are all different. Yes, we might hold some similarities to to whatever's happened before us, but we are all actually very different in that sense, and we do unite under a common goal of being able to break the cycle. Yeah, exactly. I still act on my defects, though. That's the thing. Like, I still have my defects from being in care. I'm aware of them now that I'm not in care, so I can wig out sometimes and, like, realise that I'm acting off of, like, a little government kid brook. But, like, yeah, acknowledging the fact that I was surviving. Like, that was the mechanism that I was using. I wasn't lashing out because I hate you. I'm lashing out because I don't know how I'm feeling, so that's the only thing that I know how to do. I thought in care that you only had two feelings, happy and sad, you know, but realistically you have a whole circle of feelings and you only react certain <laughs> certain ways because of certain things. Like, uh... I, I agree with, you, with what you said. Um, like I acknowledged that that was part of my life before and I'm not ashamed of it anymore, but I don't like to think that that's still me. I'm not still a gom kid because... Um, yeah, why would you want to still be part of, like, identify with that? You and also, kids. like, it's not something that, it's not something that I trust right, right, myself. So, so, sorry to cut you off here, but, and, and I don't mean to, to, you know, like, story, but I think that it's another thing is like, and I know that I just said myself that, you know, it's probably best if we can completely like, you know, stop it there and move forward. But it is a part of who we are. It has helped define us as people. I think we just need to stop labeling it as such a bad thing. I definitely think it's a bit of a like a double-edged sword. So like I wouldn't have been so familiar with the police if I didn't hadn't been in like uh, residential care, and like even now like hanging out and like uh, getting shit faced with like my family and like and all that. That's like what I feel comfortable with, and that's like when I'm doing that, I feel like. Uh, even like the few times I do it recently, because I'm really trying to move away from that. Like, it make, really does make me feel like at home and like with my people. And uh, when I'm most of the time, I don't, I don't feel like I belong. Like I'm, don't feel the same 
as all of these like white collar people with like uh you know they go to the nine to five jobs every day and they like let's do like normal people stuff i don't feel like like I'm, I'm normal and like kind of the same as everyone else you know and it's like the the rare times when i do is do stuff that's i know is detrimental to me like uh i'm like partying and stuff and whatever it is like it just it, yeah it makes me feel like i'm with my people again a little bit i feel like uh even last year i went to a adult high school and i wasn't sure uh where i fit in as much like i didn't know if i was like uh i was meant to or i, I felt comfortable where i belonged like in the library like doing my work during like lunch, the breaks and stuff or i belonged with like the kids smoking like street kids and stuff and i didn't almost didn't feel like I fit in with like either of them. It's weird as going through like survival stage as being like a government kid and then like trying to heal and taking that collar off, I mean that jumper off of being like a government kid and then having to work out where your place in this world is. Like as Zane was saying, like that connection to the, I don't know, the street life or being a government kid or that, that stigma that's attached to the government kids, like moving away from that is really hard. Even even now, like, uh, looking back and, like, knowing a bit more of that, I can still go forward knowing that, you know, I can still be happy and, and help a lot of people out in the world regardless of that. Straight Up is part of the GOM Central project. You can find out about GOM Central by visiting gomcentral.elmplace.org.au or join us on Facebook. GOM Central is delivered by Post Care Support Services and funded by the Department of Child Protection. If you have left care or are about to leave care and are struggling with any issues, get in touch with Post Care Support Services on 1800 188 118. Your hosts are Brooke and Zane, and today we had Tony and Willow. This podcast was created on Ghana and Paramount country. We wish to acknowledge the Ghana and Paramount peoples and all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians. Their spiritual, physical, emotional, mental and economic connection to the land and seas. Knocking. See you next time. Bye, goodbye, it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye, goodbye, it's time What is go. that big blue that house? That blue moon, dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The band, the big blue house.